0: You're listening to Fire Ecology Chats, a podcast series by the Association for Fire Ecology. Hello, everybody. My name is Bob Keane. I'm the editor of the journal Fire Ecology. It's an international journal where we publish a host of papers about the topic of fire ecology. This is another one of our fire ecology chats. And today we have a very exciting subject and a very exciting person. Today, we have Kathleen Iteval, and she's going to talk about territories in transition, how social context influences wild land fire adaptive capacity in rural northwestern European Mediterranean areas. Good morning, Kathleen. Could you tell us a little about yourself?
1: Good morning. Yeah, happily. Well, for me, it's the evening. I'm joining you all from a really small town in Catalonia where I currently live. I am a PhD student with Wageningen University, another impronounceable name that's based in the Netherlands, but I have done all my field work the past three years out here in Spain with the Pau Costa Foundation. They're an NGO dedicated to fire ecology and connecting knowledge across Europe.
0: Wonderful. Welcome to Fire Ecology Chats. Maybe you could tell us a little about your paper.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, I wanted to recognize I'm definitely not the only one who's worked on this. I've been collaborating with several other co-authors who happen to be my supervisors. One of them is Nuria Prat-Guitart, who also is a project manager at the Pau Costa Foundation. And then I've also worked with Caroline Koza and Fulco Ludwig, who are both professors at Wageningen University. And I've also had the pleasure of working with Lisa Langer, who is a leading social scientist at SCION, the New Zealand Forest Research Institute. So it's definitely been a really collaborative effort across territories, across languages and fire contexts. But we've centered our paper in Mediterranean Europe, where I live and where the Pau Costa Foundation does most of its work. And this paper is exciting because it's the first time that we've done, you know, really qualitative research. That means doing in-depth interviews with all kinds of different experts from three different countries and in four different languages. And we often see in the fire world, especially in Mediterranean Europe, that social science around fire is still missing. So this is one of the first attempts to see what's really going on in a lot of different rural community contexts out here and sort of make visible all of these different intricacies happening on the local level in in these different countries. And for folks to kind of get an idea across borders and across languages that they might actually have a lot in common when it comes to what enables their local communities to adapt to fire and what is kind of hindering or, or blocking further adaptation, especially You know, as we face these really challenging times with climate change and with a long history of of land use change out here that has really dramatically changed landscapes in the past fifty to seventy years. So yeah, that's kind of what this paper is about. You know, there's a lot of robust work done in the US already around what we call local social contexts. Local social contexts as as we kind can kind of understand them in the US. They're comprised of several different branches, and that's thanks to a lot of work that authors have done over years and years, especially folks like Travis Pavelio. And they've realized that the local context when it comes to fire has a lot to do with the kinds of knowledge that people have in the area, the kinds of interactions and relationships that residents have amongst one another. There's also a whole branch of what's going on is if if people have been exposed to wildfire in the past or have been exposed to other risks and how they've managed that. And there's also, you know, other stuff going on in terms of the local economy and in terms of larger, wider social and demographic information that all of that comes together to influence how people are adapting on a local level to fire. So this was our sort of first attempt to look at that in a European setting.
0: Yeah, that is very exciting work. What I really liked about the paper is in your methodology, you had a two-step process. Can you tell us about this? Sure.
1: Well, we did two things. One was we interviewed 20 different experts. Experts is a big, broad term, but it means folks that are really, we think at least, folks that are really engaged in working on the ground, whether they are fire managers, whether they are forest and sort of natural park managers. Whether they're folks in administration working on wildfire, you know, community management plans. So we interpreted that expert knowledge as folks who are really intimately familiar with what's going on on the ground. So we interviewed 20 different experts across these four different areas. And we realized, you know, while they have a lot of knowledge, there's also still a lot that's missing. Experts are also prone to their own biases and they don't know absolutely everything that's going on. But we realized we didn't have enough resources to really, really do these massive amounts of interviews with with hundreds of people, all the residents and all all the folks living in these areas. So we also turned to help from a lot of literature. And we took that as a really a necessary step to sort of support all of this expert information that we're finding and to to back it up with all of the literature that we've found over the past you know, 40, 50 years working working on similar themes. That said, there's still so much more room to understand really what's going on from from more local people's perspectives and to go beyond expert interviews and go, you know, deeply into more empirical research with hundreds of interviews with with local folks. That's something we'd love to encourage in the future.
0: Yeah, that is very impressive. Thank you. So obviously, social context matters, but why does it matter? Uh, you know, what are the influences that we should pay attention to in fire management that social context yet governs?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I think it really shapes a lot about how people are receptive or not to to different programs, different policies, different methods of engagement. So, what we see in this Mediterranean European context that that is that there's Two simultaneous big overarching things happening. There's been this process of of rural abandonment where folks have left the countryside en masse for the past 50 to 70 years due to economies changing, due to wars, due to industrialization in cities. And then there's this simultaneous other thing happening in the present day, probably starting around the 70s or 80s, where a lot of these places that were abandoned are getting repopulated by humans and also by forests where you know maybe once there used to be a lot of olive orchards and vineyards and crops and more pastoralism and agroforestry and there's now these new successional forests that aren't necessarily biodiverse but they they are green and a lot of folks that come into these spaces really appreciate what they perceive to be sort of natural spaces so we're seeing a lot of confusion and a lot of transition between these more rural economies and some folks that still hold on really strongly to a lot of their local knowledge and a lot of their values and a lot of frustrations too about how land has been managed or mismanaged. Yeah, the uh, spontaneous forest growth. A lot of elder local folks interpret that the forests look really dirty or that they look totally uncared for. Meanwhile, you get a lot of new populations who really appreciate this greenery without necessarily looking past that first layer of it, and folks can get upset when, when there's you know any kind of vegetative management going on. So this might sound familiar to a lot of fire managers and, and forest managers out there, but by knowing really the experience and the values of the folks that they're working with, they'll be able to tailor a bit better their sorts of approaches and their methods, and one thing we wanted to really highlight is when it comes to adapting to fire, we don't have to create these some outlandish new programs that are that are going to save the world. But we do, I think, need to recognize that there's a really big plurality of options out there. I, I think one of the the main things is that a lot of the options for emergency management, for fire management, and for vegetation management and Creating more fire resilient landscapes. A lot is lost in how we communicate with one another. So if we we understand better who we're talking to and what they might value and what they want to see in their landscape, then we'll have a lot a lot better luck when we're communicating our messages around fire management.
0: This paper is so incredibly important because because if we don't tailor fire management programs to into the social context, we are bound to fail. So. This paper really is a contribution to the literature. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to say, Kathleen, about the paper?
1: Sure. I'll I'll add a couple more things. One of the things that we would like to really highlight most of all is that by paying more attention to opportunities for sustainable rural development, that's a, a huge opportunity in Europe. We talk a lot about managing fire risk. But I think we can start to turn the page and start thinking about fire management and fire prevention as opportunity for rural development in a way that can really help bolster more diverse and more sustainable rural economies that are based on, for sure, on some primary production and on agriculture and forestry, but also on providing a lot of ecosystem services. So that's something in Europe, since there's, there's so much going on in such a small space that we think is a really big opportunity for the future to support a lot of these more you know disenfranchised rural areas and another thing that we really just enjoyed seeing as a result of all this work is that there's such a big opportunity for folks to learn more about fire ecology that's something that the Palcoso Foundation does a lot of work on in elementary schools and in high schools and in and in just a lot of public engagement but We've seen that that's sort of a gap in a lot of folks' general understanding of their landscape, but we see this as also a really big opportunity for environmental-based education in the future that can help both rural communities feel more empowered and, and hopefully spread the word about good fire and being able to implement tools positively in their landscape. And it can also really help folks that come from a more urban background to understand where they are and to make more connections with folks living there and to sort of bridge those gaps and, and understandings between between different visions. So we see that as a really big opportunity in the future.
0: Thank you so yeah. much, Kathleen, for joining us. Thank you for submitting your payment to fire ecology. And thank you for giving your time to do the fire ecology chats. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Until the next oh. fire ecology chat. This is Bob Keen saying goodbye, and we'll see you next time.